Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? fans? Welcome into the postgame, the special Saturday, August the 18th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've got a football game to talk about, and we're going to get deep into the weeds, talking all things Dolphins, Panthers, snap counts, personnel groupings, injury updates, who shined, who went in the wrong direction, Everything from Friday's 27-20 to 20 loss in Charlotte. But first, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You guys know that's how the podcast is judged. We are now a top five podcast in the Lockdown Network because of you guys. So we thank you dearly for that. And also, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, voted by Dolphins Twitter, at Wingful NFL. The show is at Lockdown Fins. And of course, LockdownDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Lockdown Network. You guys can find the write-up for the Dolphins-Panthers game up there live right now, LockdownDolphins.com, as well as the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts like the Lockdown Heat podcast and Lockdown NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. The Mad Dog takes us into the news items for the day. All right, Miami! And up first is the inactive list I want to go ahead and discuss with you guys from the game. Several players did not dress for this game, injury or otherwise. And that list is full of familiar names. Up first, the running backs that did not play. Kalen Balazs is in the concussion protocol. So he was inactive, as well as his running back mate, Frank Gore, the timeless veteran that never seems to age, did not play in this game either. Receivers Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker, both nursing injuries, did not play. Jake Brendel has not played since 2004, it seems like at this point. Tight end Marquise Gray was out. Jordan Phillips, William Hayes, Mike Hole, and Tony Lippett, a surprise late scratch from the game. And the Dolphins did not accrue any new injuries in this game so that's the number one thing we take away from the game tonight no new injuries Dolphins head into week three of the preseason relatively healthy once again we knock on wood for that but let's go ahead and get right into this game breakdown talking all things Dolphins and Panthers that's another Miami Dolphins and up first on the docket for the game day podcast here August the 18th coming to you guys on Saturday for the first time in the podcast's history I want to discuss the first topic of the preview podcast and column from Friday discussing the Dolphins I suppose game planning or lack of game planning in these games and most teams follow the same approach to these games in regards to treating them like just exhibition tryout type of situations where they want to evaluate individuals rather than focus on the grand scheme of the results the way Dolphins Twitter sure seems to do because man that was a minefield today trying to navigate the the tweets and all of the backlash that comes with every single play of an August football game that doesn't count towards anything in the future and the Dolphins did not make any suggestion that they were trying to win this game or make certain things happen by out scheming the Panthers it was very basic very vanilla they were in 11 personnel for most of the game once again and they ran the same basic principle concept screen passes 
It almost seemed like the last couple of drives were just throwaways as they were trying to get Ryan Tannehill more reps, but also protect him in doing that and get the other guys conditioning reps by running screens, getting the offensive line in shape ready to play. This is a team that's going to want to play fast in Miami in the heat in September, and you got to get those guys ready. So getting Josh Sitton, Dan Kilgore, Jesse Davis, all those guys out in the open and running throughout the course of the first half, coming outside for screens and that type of thing, you have to do it because there's no way to replicate those in-game reps in practice. And by doing that, they're getting themselves ready for September when they're going to go with this hot, hurry-up tempo offense that was very prominent in the game today. About 20, 25 seconds between snaps for Ryan Tannehill, getting the offense to the line, getting the plays changed, being in total command of the offense, getting them into the right play, taking the easy stuff that came to them. And they didn't attack down the field all but at all but like one time, going for Jakeem Grant in the end zone on a miscommunication with Tannehill and Grant together, and Adam Gay said in his post-game press conference that that was on Ryan Tannehill. He missed the read and had the wrong throw that sailed out of the end zone or to the front pylon of the end zone when Jakeem Grant throttled down. And they're running these basic concepts where they're doing slant flat, they're doing rub routes, they're doing clear-out flare routes to the running back, play action, just doing things that you'd simulate in a regular practice, like an install type of practice. And the Panthers ran a lot of cover two and, and man free with a single high safety and pressing the line of scrimmage. You have 5'9 Jakeem Grant or 5'8 Jakeem Grant and 5'9 Albert Wilson. There really aren't a lot of opportunities to attack down the field as CK Parrott said on Twitter, talking about their inability to get vertical because the Panthers were bracketing that coverage, both with Mike Gusecki and those receivers down the field. So it just wasn't there for them to attack. And speaking of Mike Gusecki, he was working strictly in the running game in that first half. He didn't really get out into the patterns very often. He worked in lines of blocker. He flexed out and showed some decoy stuff, but for the most part, they had him blocking. And my theory is that they don't want to put on his receiving tape available for other teams to look at when they game plan for the Dolphins come the regular season. They want to show more inline blocking, show you that they're willing to do it, show it that he's somewhat capable of doing it. So they have to prepare for that and they can disguise the plays when he comes onto the field in the regular season. Kaseki got some good work today in the ground game. Wasn't really impressive in that mold, but that's kind of where they're going with it. But Kaseki did get the start despite coming off the field for the second series. He was on the field for the most part in the first half, getting lots of reps. And the Dolphins starting lineup on offense, they came out in 11 personnel. They ran that 25 times compared to three times in 12 personnel. And they ran 13 personnel with three tight ends in the field just one time. So the offense was very vanilla, very basic once again. Starting at quarterback, running back, Ryan Tannehill, Kenyon Drake. They had Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Danny Amendola out there, Mike Gesicki, and your regular starting offensive line in Laramie Tunzel, Josh Sitton, Dan Kilgore, Jesse Davis, and Jawan James. Flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. They were primarily in nickel package and base package throughout most of the game. Starting defense in base was Cam Wake and Robert Quinn on the edges, Akeem Spence and Devon Godshaw inside, Raquan McMillan, Kiko Alonso, Jerome Baker gets a start as the primary third linebacker. The cornerbacks were Bobby McCain, Xavier Howard, safeties were Rashad Jones, and TJ McDonald. Minka Fitzpatrick came on in those nickel packages, so they were very much vanilla and basic like they were last week. They ran 29 plays on offense and were on the field for 26 plays on defense. Kenyon Drake gets 23 of those reps, a very heavy workload for him. Albert Wilson never left the field. He was out there for all 29 reps with Ryan Tannehill. Jakeem Grant, 28 reps. Danny Amendola, 25. Mike Kosicki gets 22. A.J. Derby finds 14 reps. And of course, all five of the starting offensive linemen played 29 snaps as well. 
You go over to the defensive side of the ball, and Robert Quinn was out there for 12 snaps with Cameron Wake out there for four, for 15, excuse me. Andre Branch had 14. Spence and Godshaw were at 16 and 15 apiece. Vincent Taylor had eight himself inside. Raekwon and Kiko both at 23. Jerome Baker at 13. Howard and McCain, McDonald and Jones all at 23. And Minka Fitzpatrick was out there for 15 plays with the first team defense in the first half. So that's your snap counts, your personnel usage, your coaching, I guess, update on the day. We're going to get into the individual performances next in the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkful NFL at Locked On Fins. A gain of 12 on third and 11. Newton fastball intercepted. Picked off Xavier Howard with blockers. That is the Panthers' home radio call for Xavier Howard's interception on the night. He returned at 39 yards and spearheaded the Dolphins' pretty good defensive performance on the night. But we're going to go ahead and flip it over to the offensive side first here in segment number two, breaking down the game and the performances from the individuals. A lot of time from the first team tonight playing almost the entire first half, really getting that workout, really getting themselves conditioned for that Miami September heat like we talked about. Let's go ahead and start with the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, 14 of 17 for 100 yards, a 91.2 passer rating, a rather ho-hum day. They were very conservative and very safe with the game plan, throwing lots of screen passes, lots of short routes, some play action, some working to the flat, some flare clear out routes to the running backs. And there was a couple of throws where he had to drive the football down the field. I was very impressed by one play. It was 12 personnel. He looked off to the field side of the formation, came all the way back to the boundary. So working from one sideline to the other and ripped a 15 yard comeback route to Albert Wilson for a 12 yard gain. Obviously a comeback brings you back to the football. So he lost a little bit of ground doing that, but a very impressive throw. Another throw where he Drove the football over the middle of the field that was impressive because Sonoris Perry takes on a block right in his face and gets knocked down and is right at Tannehill's feet with a defender. So lots of trash at his feet right on that plant leg, the left leg that got torn or got the ACL torn in it back in 2016 as well as 2017. And Tannehill stood there and, and drove drove the football down the field and looked very good doing so. Adam Gaze mentioned two mistakes he made. He took a delay of game call down in the red zone. That was inexcusable. And a miscommunication, at least that's how it looked on film, with Jakeem Grant. But apparently Grant ran the right route and Tannehill missed him throwing long. So two mistakes on 17 passes. Not a bad day for your quarterback. Kept them in rhythm, kept them moving. But all those damn penalties really drove the Dolphins backwards and didn't allow them to get much done. We'll touch on that here more in a minute. But these wide receivers that Tannehill worked with in lieu of Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker, it was Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson, and Danny Amendola the entire time operating a lot out of 11 personnel. And Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson, they can really get open. And that speed really pushes the defensive backs off the line of scrimmage and allows them to take a lot of easy pickings underneath little five, six, seven yard hitch routes. Danny Amendola operates those speed out routes from the slot. He looks good doing that. So the passing game looks sharp. Kenyon Drake in the backfield looked fantastic, making guys miss in the backfield, spinning out of tackles, getting extra yardage, using that speed to get to the edge, and just looks like a real star running back going forward for this team. But the offensive line allowed a lot of contact in the backfield. Their pass protection was okay for the most part. Tannehill didn't get pressured a whole lot, but he had to move around here and there. But they just don't get any push in the running game. I thought Dan Kilgore, Josh Sitton, and Jesse Davis all had pretty bad games, all things told. 
Laramie Tunzel gives up a sort of sack that he gets called for a hold on it. Tannehill is able to get rid of the football, but Tunzel gets flagged for the hold. Jawan James had himself a nice game on the right side. So for the most part, the offensive line struggled, but the defense looked very good in this game. Robert Quinn had himself two sacks. Cam Wake was providing pressure off the edge. They both got home on the play where the Panthers tried to chip either of them. That did not work out for them at all. This defensive end group with these rushers should be pretty dangerous going forward as long as the Dolphins can just be okay against the run and hold up in that aspect. And they even got the NASCAR package onto the field one time. That was Cam Wake, Robert Quinn, Charles Harris, and Akeem Spence, I suppose, as part of that. Not really sure why, but the third and long pass rush group comes onto the field to get after the quarterback. And negatively speaking, Raekwon McMillan, He's having a rough time so far. He got beat on a couple of plays. I think two of those touchdowns, long touchdowns really, about 105 yards worth of touchdowns in total, couldn't be attributed to Raekwon McMillan. Miskeying his play or miskeying his gap on a running play, the 71-yard McCaffrey run, and also jumping the gun on a drive concept where they displaced him, moving him off of his zone against a crosser from Ian Thomas that was taken to the house for a touchdown as well. So he has himself a rough day. Jerome Baker looked good again, I suppose, and Kiko Alonso was better than he's been in the past. So linebackers, not great, but they got a lot of room to improve, and you hope McMillan can do that. The defensive tackle play, once again, was not great. Devon Godshaw and Akeem Spence got pushed off their spots too much. Vincent Taylor wasn't the impactful force I was hoping he would be. And Kendall Langford showed up and got eight snaps in that first half, and he played okay in that spot as well. Going back to the secondary, Xavier Howard had that pick. I thought Howard looked fantastic, transitioning in and out of breaks, out of that back pedal in man coverage and zone coverage. He fell off of his zone, picked that ball off, ran it back 39 yards. He also pulled a trigger on a little sit-down route earlier in the game where he just closed and tackled and wrapped him up right away. Those five-yard gains won't hurt you if that's all you allow. So he looked fantastic. I thought McCain held his own on the other side of the field. There was one play in particular where he got beat on a third and 12, but it wasn't really his fault because he was falling back into a cover three and Fitzpatrick had the corner to get out there and he didn't get out there far enough and he got his ass chewed by Matt Burke on the sideline for allowing that third and 12 conversion to happen right in front of the Dolphins sideline on that play. TJ McDonald was also a culprit on the long Christian McCaffrey touchdown run. He took a terrible angle coming flying into the football and it just didn't work out for him there as McCaffrey blazed a trail into the end zone. Other players that I thought showed up well in the second half of the game, the backup, so to speak, Maurice Smith looked pretty good, actually really good in that game. He got an interception as an assist from Trey Elston, who put a big pop on a guy and jarred the ball loose, got the ball to him. I thought the second team offensive line and quarterbacks were pretty bad once again. Isaac Asiata, after last week's nice performance, really stepped back in this game. So a lot to take in, a lot to judge. I didn't watch the second half as closely as I did the first half, just because it's a late night. I'm recording this podcast at 11.30 at night here, getting both the podcast and the column out. I'll probably re-watch that second half later in the week and give you guys more updates on that and what I saw from the game from the backups and the second half of the game. But next, we're going to talk about the five arrow up players, the five arrow down players, as well as discuss game days on Twitter. We'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. We call this a race down, second and very short. Tannehill has the football and zips it 
right side to Grant, who will have the first down, 12 yards. Miami making it look easy. That's Ryan Tannehill, as the announcer says, for the Carolina Panthers. They're zipping a pass to Jakeem Grant for 12 yards and a first down, taking what the defense gave them. They did that all night, made it look pretty easy. Moved the football, but like I said, got bogged down by penalties and issues in the red zone. Just not their best showing in that regard. But... We do have some individual recognition to give out our five arrow up players on the day, and we'll do the five arrow down players next. But up first, the arrow up number five guy on the day, safety Maurice Smith. He flew around, showed natural instincts for the position, and was always around the football. Gets himself an interception because of that. So a nice day for Maurice Smith. Number four, quarterback Ryan Tannehill thought he played very well in rhythm, sharp, accurate, on time, everything you want to see from him in his second game back. Number three, running back Kenyon Drake is just an absolute monster breaking tackles in the backfield, and that speed to burn is so special around the edge. Number two, cornerback Xavier Howard, the pick obviously had a pass breakup as well, played very physical, looked much more comfortable this week than he did in the one or two series last week. And number one, defensive end Robert Quinn gets two sacks on the day. His ability to flatten that edge is so impressive, and it just looks very unorthodox. We've heard about it at training camp all year long, or all summer long, I should say, and it showed up tonight on game night. So those are your five, Quinn, Howard, Drake, Tannehill, Marie Smith, five arrow down players. Number five, linebacker Raekwon McMillan, his second straight appearance on this list. Not a good look for him. He had a couple of good plays on the night, but the two touchdowns really probably fall under his umbrella, so not good for him. Number four, guard Jesse Davis had a bad hold that killed the first drive. He just couldn't handle the quickness inside of the Carolina Panthers. I believe it was Kyle Love that was giving him problems all night long. Center Dan Kilgore's number three. He got pushed back. He couldn't get out wide on a screen pass. Didn't move fluidly. Couldn't anchor against the pass rush either. So a rough night for the offensive line on the interior. Number two, cornerback Cordray at Tankersley. I don't know what happened to Tank, but he has really taken a step backwards. A sophomore slump, if you will, after a pretty good rookie season. But he is struggling big time right now to get both the mental and physical aspects of the game down. And number one is offensive guard Isaac Asiata. He about got Brock Osweiler killed in that first half when he just didn't know what he was doing, didn't pass a guy off and followed him into the backfield and allowed a stunt to come around the left side and just cream Brock Osweiler. And that continued on into the second half. So a rough day for Asiata. He is number one, Cordray Tankersley, Dan Kilgore, Jesse Davis, and Raekwon McMillan round out your five arrow down players for Friday's loss at the Carolina Panthers. And the last thing I want to discuss on this podcast is just the general vibe of Twitter on game days because I've been doing this for my, this is my third year now being involved with the podcast or with the site writing and podcasting on the Dolphins. And I don't recall it being as bad or as miserable as it was tonight. And we even had to go through a Jay Cutler year and it still didn't seem that bad. I saw some really bad tweets. One guy was coming at me saying that Tannehill looked like a pussy in the pocket. He was not moving around enough. He wants to see him move around like Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen do. And I asked him, what did you want him to move around for? There was nowhere to move. He was just playing from the pocket. There wasn't a lot of pressure. It just blows my mind the way some people see the game. And then someone said, you Tannehill homers taking credit for these nine points on five drives. You realize that NFL drives average about two points per drive throughout the course of the entire league. So he was just under that, and it dealt with several penalties, drop passes, all that stuff that went into it. It wasn't really the quarterback's fault. I know he didn't really take a shots downfield, but just watch the damn game and realize yourself that it wasn't there to do that. People talking about same old shit, same old Dolphins. What is this crappy defense? What is this terrible play calling? It's the preseason. It's the preseason, the time to iron out your faults, your shortcomings, 
everything that happens in the preseason is irrelevant by the time week one comes around. Nobody will remember this, but they want to bitch in the interim. And it just made me really think that I don't know how if I'm going to be able to do Twitter on game days. I mean, I will because it's kind of my job, but it, it was really brutal today. And I just hope it gets better than that because I think we're better than that. And I hope the Dolphins fan base can represent themselves as being better than that. So that's the end of my rant. I'll get off that soapbox and go ahead and close this podcast out as that's going to do it for me today. I'm going to have some shows for you guys next week coming live from the Oregon coast, going to my favorite vacation spot every single summer. We do that towards the end of August every year. So I'll have the podcast recording up there for you guys. We'll get more into this game, talk about the Ravens game next week. But as for this podcast, that will do it for us. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at LethalNFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog at Locked On dolphins.com you guys have a great rest of your weekend we'll talk to you again on monday or maybe even tuesday for another edition of lockdown dolphins podcast your daily dose for miami dolphins football is there a reason why i'm still